Hey, I'm Elliot Jackson, and welcome back to Reggie Radio. First of all, I want to congratulate Rob Smith, his name has three O's, <laughs> for winning the signed Corey jersey that I gave away this week. Congratulations. He's been a great supporter um, so far in the podcast, and uh, glad that I could give him a jersey. Today, we're going to continue season one of Origins with Brooke McDonald, who is someone that, uh, you know, I've always admired. I think people think of him for his physical toughness, but his mental toughness is just as strong, if not stronger. To go through what he went through this past year with his injury, and I think on top of that, to to win a World Cup early in his elite career, um, and then go through a period where he didn't win, didn't get a lot of podiums, but to stay motivated, stay strong, stay hungry is uh, is also a testament to just the the amount of drive and determination he has. So without further ado, let's get into this podcast with Brooke McDonald. All right, Brooke McDonald, you made it. I made it. I'm uh, I'm not too I'm not well educated on uh, technology with computers, but um, we've uh, we've got there in the end. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's, yeah. Oh man. Okay, we'll get right into it. Um, so part one is of the podcast. I wanna I wanna go back back to the origin of of Brooke. And the first question I have is, where did the name Bulldog come from? Um, so Bulldog come from Win Win Masters. Um, I want to say, like, I think maybe like 2010, 2011. Um, and I think it just came about from my writing style and just crashing and having big crashes and, you know, <laughs> back up and walking them off like nothing happened. Um, so yeah, it just kind of, come from that and it's it's stuck around and I mean it's kind of like I guess built myself a, a name around uh around the bulldog yeah do you like it yeah I mean it's uh yeah it is it is a good nickname because I can I guess I can sort of uh picture myself as a bulldog if I was a dog um, I mean, like pretty, <laughs> sort of like a brick shit out and pretty, I'd like to say pretty tough. And yeah, like I said before, I can, uh, you know, I have big crashes and, and walk away from them somehow. Yeah. If, where does that toughness come from? Has that been something you've always had since you were a kid? Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, just come from over the years of playing rugby, um, uh yeah from uh from an early age like playing rugby um i guess just built up a a resilience of of uh not feeling pain and and just being able to get up and and walk things off i mean like when i did play rugby i was i was pretty competitive like so if things didn't go my way i would um i mean i would pack a tantrum and and uh <laughs> you know be a little sick but um I mean I feel like it made me a good rugby player at the time and I mean I just loved I don't know I just felt like rugby was a freedom of like being able to you know not not smash people but being able to like just tackle and run through people and just like feel that I don't know I feel that like I guess like releasing a little bit of anger um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's definitely come from uh, from my rugby, a little bit from my rugby background, probably something in the in my family's genes as well. How long did you play rugby for? Um, I played rugby from when I was about four to uh, about seventeen, eighteen. Oh wow! So you were pretty serious about it. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to be a professional rugby player. If I wasn't going to make it in mountain biking, that was my my second option. But at the time, I was sort of like, when I was at high school, I was juggling between playing rugby and racing my bike. So it was like, 
I play rugby on a Saturday morning and then um, drive away that afternoon and go race um, a club series on a, on a Sunday. So um, it just, just felt pretty busy. And, like, I just, I just like the fact that I could, you know, have a bunch of friends that I could ride a bike with and, um, you know, it was like an individual race. So, um, you know, you know, you're racing against the clock. So, um, I just felt free and whereas rugby was like, it's a team sport. So everything you do and, um, the people around you, you've got to, I guess, you know, like that they can be the ones that, that can be to blame for, you know, a mistake. Whereas, right um mountain biking it's it's all up to you yeah was that kind of the thing that made you switch all of your interests um i guess i just like i mean i i really enjoy playing rugby it was like obviously one of my favorite sports so um it was quite hard to like when I was traveling i was like man i wish i was back home playing rugby like i've <laughs> i felt like if if it was like a summer sport and I could just like race my bike in the summer in Europe and then play rugby in the summer while I was home would be like the ideal um, package of being a, being an athlete, but I guess it doesn't really work like that. So yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, mountain biking, I kind of um, was doing it every day, like rugby training. I had, you know, two or three times a week. So it was kind of like, you know, an hour of rugby training, whereas I could go out after school and spend two, three hours riding my bike with friends. And, um, yeah, I just enjoyed that a lot more. Growing up in, in New Zealand, you had to travel a lot. Did you have to travel a lot for rugby as well? Or was that kind of more of a mountain biking thing? Um, probably more of a mountain biking thing. I, I traveled a little bit with rugby because I played some, um, uh, some rep and Hawks Bay stuff, like Hawks Bay stuff where I'm from. So like, pretty like at a decent level um and yeah traveled a little bit but not as much as the mountain biking i mean like when i was playing rugby it was more just around local stuff and then i'd travel to wanganui to um race the local series there that's where um blinky and and win used to live so um yeah they held a really good <clears throat> local uh winter series there so we'd just travel there um mm. Yeah, most weekends when racing was on. Yeah, and that was with your your mom and grandma. Yeah, well, more so my more so my grand because my mum would always be working on a Saturday, so um, my grand would take me to rugby um, in the morning, and then we'd head off uh, in the afternoon to to the races. So yeah, pretty much uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my time spent was with my gran. Um, obviously some weekends when my mum went working, she'd take me away, but, um, yeah, the majority of it was with my gran. Yeah. That's so cool. I remember you talking about that on like Rob meets. Yeah. Was that, um, did you, did you ever feel some pressure knowing that they had kind of sacrificed a lot and were putting a lot into it? Um, not really because my, my gran, like, from when I first started playing rugby, obviously with my mum working on a Saturday, she would take um, either me or my cousin to to rugby um, on the weekends. So <clears throat> she, that's all she she was really really known, and she was really into us playing sports and and playing rugby. And she was one of the, I guess, one of the grandmothers that would be on the si- sidelines screaming at us when uh, <laughs> right. we had the ball, sort of thing. So. Um, I mean, yeah, there was never any pressure felt because obviously from a young age, I, um, spent a lot of time with her and, um, yeah, she took us to rugby. So it was just sort of a, a standard thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. What did they say when you won junior worlds in 2009? Were they like pretty stoked on that? Yeah, they were pretty stoked because, um, obviously, well, yeah, we had sacrificed a lot to get myself over to Europe, like 2008 and 2009. So, um, yeah, I mean, to be able to do that, I, at that time, I didn't really know much about training. So 
I came back from Europe, I think probably like six weeks before, um, before World Champs. And like, I didn't really, I didn't have a trainer, I didn't have a plan, nothing. So I just went and spent like, I think four or five weeks at my grands. And um, yeah, I just sat on a turbo trainer and obviously knew that there was, um, there was some peddling in, uh, in Canberra. So um, I just sort of, made up my own program and did sprints, probably nothing compared to what I'm doing now. But, you know, at the time I thought it was something pretty, uh, yeah, pretty heavy and pretty hard. So, um, yeah. And I mean, it definitely paid off and, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I definitely made them proud. It was, it was a pretty big achievement for myself and for my family. Like, yeah, like I said, they sacrificed a lot to, to get me traveling and, and riding my bike all over the world. That's totally, I was thinking about, I was thinking of back about my training back in the day. Like when you first start, you're like, man, I was training so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, and in reality, you're doing like a, you know, it's one, like one minute interval or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No heart rate, nothing. You're just like, oh, you're just going off a of feel. Eh? Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I, look, I mean, I look back at, you know, um, I probably like literally, I literally probably started training really hard in like probably 2012. I mean, I was training, but like, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just riding my bike and enjoying it. And like when I, when I won that world cup, I was like, man, I need to like, I really need to knuckle down and have a trainer and, you know, like have a schedule in my off season and know what I'm doing and um, working in the gym and that sort of thing. So like, yeah, I mean, once uh, I figured that out, I was like, man, I actually know what it's like to train hard. Yeah, that's interesting. You say that, that the, that like winning a world cup is what spurred you to, uh, you know, get more serious. When did you know that you were going to become a pro mountain biker like not like when was it like okay this is what's i'm gonna do for the next you know 10 years of my life like full on i want to say probably when i got offered um uh, when martin whiteley approached me um to manage me and he was like oh we'll pay you what i you know like i think he said um i could get you 125,000 us and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't really <laughs> know how much money that was at the time, but like kind of sort of sort of had an idea. And I was like, shit, this is like, I mean, this can set me up for life. And I, I guess I figured out um, probably from then, I which was probably in 2011, obviously I knew like where I could take, take, uh, take my career to when I started getting paid and I like, you know, had to come home, do a little bit of work, but like not as, you know, not as much as, as before. Like I, you know, come home and have to do some work to fund um, my living throughout the off season. But like once I figured, once I knew that like I had a salary that was, you know, going to be able to cover me through, through my season and off season, I figured then like um, that was like when I really could, make this a a career yeah that is that's so interesting I feel like it is interesting how you know I I would say like to me it it feels like late to know because like you said like you won junior worlds and I remember you you know kind of being on you were on evil I guess before that right yeah well after that so 2010 and 11, I was, um, I signed with Mon, well, MS for three years. So from like, from 2010 to 12, um, and like, yeah, I basically, if I can remember, I, I literally just had to pay for my flights to and, uh, to Europe and back home. And then everything else was basically covered like travel um i'd slept in the bus which was like i think a good thing for me because it kind of made me realize like um realize how 
you know, how you can actually make a living out of this and progress to obviously being able to stay in hotels and that sort of thing. Cause obviously um, I had Stevie and, and Luke Strobel as teammates and they, they were staying in, in hotels and that sort of thing. So like when I actually did stay with them, I really appreciated um, mm. that kind of thing because like obviously living in the bus with six other guys is, is <laughs> you know, pretty hard. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, I definitely really appreciated it having that opportunity to be able to experience that. But uh, yeah, I mean, once I was able to, have that opportunity to stay in hotels and and that sort of thing. I realized like this is probably a good time to focus and put my head down. Yeah, get it going. Start being serious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what was the process like? You know, going. You won the World Cup on Mondraker, and then now you're you are back there, signed with them again in 2018. What was that process like in between that? You know, you said that you really got serious after you won that world cup and then obviously didn't win again. And so mentally, what was that kind of like? Um, I guess like, obviously when I left Mondraker in 2012, going to 13, I signed with trick, uh, world racing. And, um, that was like, obviously a factory deal. So, I mean, riding for one of the biggest brands in the world is, is definitely can be a lot of pressure on yourself. I mean, I didn't put too much pressure on myself and I trained really hard and I felt like I was really well prepared um, for for that season. And I, I think the f- – what happened? I can't remember what happened at the first World Cup. I think uh, – I can't remember if it was Scotland that was the first World Cup, but I um, – yeah, I think maybe we were in South Africa and then went Fort William. And I got second at Fort William. And, like, I really felt like that could have been my best season. So, yeah, like, from uh, there till now. Um, I, I was sitting fourth overall going into Valdesol. Um, qualified good there and then had a small crash and I don't know where I come. And I, w- I had good splits. And then I went home uh, for a bit and busted up my shoulder and that kind of ruined everything. Um, but, I mean, I carried on racing the season, but I just lost everything, all my confidence, um, strength and all that. So that kind of ruined me. Um, and then oh, it sort of took another half a, half a season going into 14 to um, – get back to where I was and then I got a couple of podiums then and um, same in 15 and then I went to GT for two years and that was just a, I mean, it was hard. Probably the toughest <laughs> two years of my uh, of my life riding bikes. Like I just didn't, didn't gel with a bike. Um, it was so hard coming from a, team that was well structured to something that was new um and just a little bit different like different uh yeah a different structure um more more so like the first year was kind of like um riding bikes and and having fun like i felt like there wasn't any like i don't know I didn't feel like results were really that important. Like mm-hmm. the first year was like, you know, we, there was so much partying done in our, like we had barbecues every weekend. Um, so that was pretty tough. Like, especially coming from Martin Whiteley's team, like he runs such a good, good program there. And I'm not saying anything bad about GT or, or, Mark Morrison, but um, I just, yeah, I kind of just didn't click click there. I mean, my teammates were awesome. Um, obviously, have Wynn and Martin and, and Jackson through. Um, so, I mean, everything was, was, it was good, but just not, like, not where I wanted it to be. Um, I mean, Sambo definitely 
made made the team um, fun and same with Wynn and Martin. But yeah, just I was just struggling there. And like the first year, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do another year with these guys. I kind of just wanted <laughs> to get off the bike because like. I'd put so much work into all my training, like, oh, new team, like, man, this is going to be good. Like, first nas- well, first national race I went on the bike, I was like, this this is pretty sick, like, bike rode pretty good. And then I got to the first World Cup and I was, the, which was, um, where was it? Uh, I think it was Lords, Yeah, Lords, And I was like, holy shit, like, Going from racing national stuff to World Cup speed, I was like, this bike is not cut out for World Cup tracks. Just It just didn't ride good. like, And it was so so outdated compared to everyone else's, else's bikes that were, um, that were there. And I just felt like it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I actually remember, remember talking to you there. And I feel like one of the hardest things to do in those sort of situations is like how do you keep your confidence when you have to say like okay i know it's the bike instead of me like yeah i feel like it's so hard to to not go over to the the side of saying like oh i just don't have it anymore or whatever yeah and i i to be honest i didn't just i just didn't want to blame the bike every race like it was just something that i didn't want to do because i knew that everyone on the team knew that the bike wasn't good and things weren't working and this. But I, I think the biggest achievement that I got out of those two years was just the mental part. Like, I mean, I just enjoyed riding my bike and, like, as much as I was disappointed in my results, like, I just was happy to get down a finals run um with staying on the bike because that bike like once when you got up to speed that thing was that was out of control like it was such a demon of a thing it was yeah (laughs) i just yeah i mean it was it was was a tough bike to ride it was yeah whatever it wanted to do right and because also i feel like in those situations you had you know you had like the atherton's on it the year before and they had some flashes of brilliance you know like g won a race or whatever like did you ever have people saying like oh well they they did fine on it sometimes or yeah i guess like i mean i did did see it a little bit over pink bike but you know at the same time like that built bike was built around them and they have Mm -hmm. they have such different riding styles to me to the likes of me sambo when um not so much Martin because Martin had ridden GT for a long time. So he was, he was used to that bike, but he fully understood that, you know, where we were coming from and how the bike worked. Like I, I can remember like Mount St. Anne, like coming down some of those fast straights. Like I literally, my vision was blurry. <laughs> it was almost like waving your hands in front of your eyes, like really fast. That's what it felt like. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so i mean it was it was an experience and i i feel like it was a good experience because it really you know show it really showed myself um how mentally strong i can be with you know such disappointing results like i just felt like every every race i was <clears throat> sort of improving and um i think my best result in those two years was like eighth place and like that eighth place felt like a winning run. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then obviously um, the option came up with signing with Mondraker again. I was just like, there's no um, no hesitation there. Um, obviously I knew all the people there and I didn't have any, um, I guess I didn't have any doubts going back there that anything had changed and like literally nothing had changed. Um, when I went back there, like I just, you know I mean? Had a new mechanic. Um, and yeah, everything was, was the same as to when I last was there. So it was pretty good. Like I fit, fitted in really well. And, um, yeah, I mean like I get on with everyone pretty good there. So I just sort of like, 
I feel like when you signed with that team, every time I saw you, you just had like a big smile on your face, like you and Lori get along really well. Um, do you think that's something that helps you a lot, just having that camaraderie with him? And Yeah, I guess, I guess it does for sure. Um, obviously, I rode with him on Trek as well, so um, I know him pretty well. Um, I I guess like there's – we were sort of like uh, right up till now, like we've just been racing against each other. We've either been in front or behind each other, always like top 10. Um, so like it was just – yeah, there was always like a little bit of – I, I – I don't say a little a ten, tension, but like I mean, I guess you could say like me coming along and and showing what I potentially can do at that first race in Croatia. Probably, I guess maybe woke Lori up a little bit. Like you know, oh shit, I've actually got someone on my team who can potentially beat me. Um, right, right. So like, yeah, I mean. It's it's an individual sport, so like everyone gets along well, which I like a lot because I mean, man, if we were in a sport that we raced against each other, we we wouldn't be friends. So yeah, it, it is a good thing, and and having Mike Jones too also balances everything out, um, which is which is good because we all I mean we all get along really well and and um, ride together. So I think we've. We've definitely got a good combination of uh, people and and riders on our team. Yeah, it really does seem like it. And now he he's got a Red Bull helmet. So, like, how does that change everything for for a rider once they have a Red Bull helmet? Yeah, I mean, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Obviously, with filming projects, but also, um, yeah, Red Bull is such a well known brand, and they know a lot of people. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like they, they can help you out from getting you scheduled in for surgery to rehab to, um, what else? I mean, anything like you mention it to them, they, um, they will help you out and find a way of contacting someone through someone who knows someone that, <laughs> that can, you know, get you into an operating table within, you know, a week sort of thing. Whereas like sometimes um, not having that opportunity, I guess being on the public waiting list or private waiting list can be um, a little bit difficult. But yeah, I guess like Red Bull has the that sort of power to be able to look after the athletes and, and um, help them get back to, to where they they left off. So like, yeah, that's definitely, a, a, you know, a big step for him having them. And, um, I guess they can help him in ways that he feels like he couldn't be helped in like from other sponsors, I guess. Like, yeah, Red Bull just has that connection with a lot of different people. They have a lot of doctors on board that, um, that do a lot of testing and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it just opens up a whole whole new um, opportunity, I guess. Aside from the medical side, what's like the coolest opportunity you think you've gotten out of that? Um, the coolest? Probably, I want to say when I first signed with Red Bull in 2011, 2010, 2011, um, I got to sort of film a, a sort of welcome to Red Bull video and uh, we flew to Queenstown and I just got to ride on some some uh, guys' property, um, also up Kadrona um, and like got flown in by a heli and filmed from a heli with like, I know, six or seven dudes there watching me. It was just like, just a wow. mind boggling, like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, someone who never ever thought that they would have the opportunity to be on Red Bull and then gets on Red Bull and is told that we're going to film this, this welcome video. And then I get to go and ride in a chopper and like literally do, do runs in a, in a helicopter. So I was like, you know, I was filming full runs from up Kadrona 
and then the Hollywood land picked me up, take me back to the top and we're doing Really? That's crazy. I know. It was pretty sick. So like, that's probably like the best opportunity that I've had. And I've obviously had other opportunities. Um, also the same, like I did a, um, I rode down this big scree slope in, uh, just out of, uh, where was it? It was up, um, uh, Mount sort of like sort of close to Mount Cook. Um, and that was pretty sick. Like, got flown in by a chopper and obviously ride down the street. So it was only probably like a minute and a half, two minutes long, and then picked up by the chopper and taken back to the top. That uh, is wild. Yeah. So just stuff like that is pretty cool. Like, I mean, there's endless opportunities and projects that you can do with them. Um, obviously had some pretty cool athlete summits as well. And, you know, you get to meet up with um, all the athletes from your country and just do activities and bond and, you know, get to know them because obviously you're, you're an athlete in your own sport and you don't really get that opportunity to see them very often. And that was really, that's really the only time we get to, to meet up throughout the year as the athlete summit. So they were pretty cool as well. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So the next part of the podcast I want to talk about is uh, adapting. You were talking about how you've had some big crashes, but last year was definitely the biggest one. Um, what's that process been like so far? Um, it's been long, definitely been long. Um, I mean, it feels like it has gone, it's gone really fast because like <clears throat> literally from day one when I could walk again, I was just like doing everything, well, not doing everything, but like doing stuff to get me back to where I wanted to be. So if it was like physio, um, small weighted exercises, my legs, um, just standing up, walking to the toilet, those sort of things, um, definitely, uh, yeah, got, got, got me through this time pretty quick and like, um, now where I am, I'm pretty happy. Like, um, I've just had surgery two coming up two weeks ago or coming up three weeks ago. Um, and had majority of my rods removed out of my back and man, like that's, it's been life changing. Like I didn't think like, obviously I knew how restricted I was with, with what I had in my back, but like being, having them taken out has just made, such a massive difference and uh, yeah it's just just made life a lot easier I guess like I guess the small things that no one really knows about like you know sitting on a couch and getting comfortable I'm like man I don't want to get up from this because I'm so comfortable and then standing up like getting to a 45 degree position and being like okay right I've got to pick myself my top my upper body up and put you know go through the sort of like sharp lower back pains to stand up and then like once I stood up I stand there for you know 10-15 seconds just to be like you know making all these noises grunting noises (laughs) (laughs) and then I walk off um so I mean like I'm honestly so grateful that I could have have those out um it's just made everything so much easier like you know just being able to do things like yeah, like I said, sit on the couch, put my clothes on. Like, bro, I for six, six, well, five, five, five and a half months, I had to lie on the bed to put my undies on. Like, you know, I just didn't have oh, the balance, man. flexibility. Like, obviously restricted with those rods. So, like, just all those small things that no one would ever realize. Like, it just makes me so happy. Like, you know, being able to put my shoes on, put my socks on without holding my breath because like you know i'm so stiff and yeah it's it's crazy like you just don't realize what an injury like this does to you and what it can affect i've definitely i definitely have adapted to a semi-different lifestyle but i'm definitely not letting it stop me i've obviously been riding my mountain bike training pretty hard um i've definitely put in a good amount of work before my surgery and just like, I just wanted to be as fit as possible and as strong as possible, um, going into it. So when I come out, I was 
you know, it was semi-decent to be able to hop back on a bike and not feel like I've been sitting on my ass for another five months. So, right. yeah, all those sort of things like, you know, you've got to obviously put all that stuff into into play and um, consider that sort of thing. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, like it's been, it's been like, to be honest, it's been like a pretty cool journey just learning so much and, Obviously, having to learn to walk again is probably the biggest thing. Like, you know, shit, I'd never thought in my lifetime I'd have to teach myself to walk again. And um, Yeah, what strategy did you use to get through that? Um, I didn't really have a strategy. I was just like, <laughs> every day I was progressing and I'm like, man, I'm fucking, I'm going to ride my bike again. Like, I'm going to race world cups like my as soon as i knew i could walk again and and like sort of had a idea of how things were going to go i was like croatia i'm going to race croatia in may um that's my goal number one goal i never set anything else i didn't set any smaller goals um or long-term goals it was just that one goal so like i was just focused and driven on getting myself back to, um, to, yeah, to race, race, uh, race back. And I guess like I definitely had in the back of my mind, like if things didn't go to plan, I was, I wasn't going to be mad at myself, but, um, obviously, you know, being an athlete, you set yourself pretty high, um, high goals and high achievements and you want to want to achieve those. So, um, yeah, that was, that was mine. But like, I, I was like, man, if I am not feeling good and I don't feel confident, um, in myself and on my downhill bike and I don't feel like I have the speed there, then I'm not going to race Croatia. And, um, yeah, so like I, I definitely had that in the back of my mind of like, you know, I might not even race, you know, four or five races this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, like it's just, it's been, a, um, yeah, like I said, it's been a pretty cool process. Like as much as, you know, I'd never ever wish this upon anyone to have an injury like this, but like, I've definitely learned a lot and, um, you know, I've never through the whole, whole entire procedure, I've never had a day where I've been like, man, fuck this. I don't know. <laughs> this sucks. I hate my life. You know, it's just, everything's been so positive and like, I, yeah, I just felt like every day I woke up, I'm like, man, I've got to go to rehab. I've got to go to physio. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do that today. Like I just, yeah, I felt like I, I felt like I've really done a good job of getting myself back to where I've wanted to be. And it's, it's interesting when you were saying that I, I kind of thought about, um, you know, everyone having to take some time off now. And, you know, you're probably the most well-equipped person. Like, do you have any advice for people right now as everyone's in lockdown and not having, not being able to go out and ride their bikes maybe as much as they want to and things like that? Yeah, I guess um, obviously, yeah, the position everyone is in at the moment, it's, it, it definitely can take its mental toll on, on, on you. And it's, I mean, like being locked inside is not not a nice thing. So, I mean, I think like the best thing you can do is, I mean, you know, even get out for a 20-minute walk can definitely help, um, you know, just, just being able to get out and clear the head of, you know, not having to sit in the house all day um, is definitely a big thing. Like I went for a ride the other day and I was like, man, this is so nice. Like just went with, with Lucy and um, her sister and boyfriend. And we just, you know, we just went for like an hour cruise. And like, I, it just made me realize how nice it is to actually get out and do something and not be stuck in the house. Cause I was getting to a point like, <clears throat> obviously I was like stressing because I didn't go, I didn't really plan and equip myself well for for this because I was like, oh right, I've got you know two week, two weeks of recovery of not doing much, 
Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be sitting at home, not doing, doing too much. And then this whole thing happened and we were like level four lockdown. So I was like, shit, what do I do? Like, you know, I didn't think about going to get any gym equipment or anything like that. So I was kind of stressing out a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I mean like that sort of, I kind of like was like, okay, well I'm going to make do with what I have. And like, we've just been doing, um, you know, body weight workouts, which has been really cool. And like, um, yeah. So I think like stuff like that, just, just, just thinking outside the box, like not thinking, oh shit, another day I've got to sit inside and watch Netflix all day. Like, <laughs> like oh shit, I'm going to YouTube like a 40 minute, <clears throat> 40 minute body workout and just go outside and, and I guess, um, and do that. And man, I, I can, I can beat you. You'd feel a thousand times better after that workout. Like just, you know, just, you just feel good in yourself. Like, because you've got outside and, and done something and you'll be like, okay, now I can go sit and side and watch some Netflix. Right. I earned like, it. I think the biggest thing that I've struggled with is not having a, a structure. Um, because you know, I'm so structurally driven, um, obviously with all my training and like having a routine, I don't really have that now, but I've kind of like sort of adapted and, you know, I'm just trying to prepare myself as well as I can for if the if we were to go back racing and I had the opportunity to go back and you know I had a period of time to be able to ride my bike you know being able to be fit and strong and and that sort of thing so yeah I've just you know started preparing myself and I've just done a couple of road rides which is really nice just being able to get out on the road and you know enjoy that not having cars on the road and like right. yeah that is nice yeah so i think like yeah the biggest thing is probably like being able to i guess wake up and be like okay i'm gonna do this today i'm gonna do you know a 20 minute walk in the morning and then you know a 30 minute workout in the afternoon or a stretch or some yoga or just just something that's gonna you know just take your mind off of being locked inside Mm -hmm. i can definitely relate to that it's just even just getting out for a little bit, it's like, uh, you know, getting out of, out of prison and yeah, it, is, <laughs> eh? it feels so nice. Like it's just, yeah, it's so good on the brain. Lucy seemed like she really helped you through your recovery and, and you guys spent a lot of time together. How important was she through everything? Um, yeah, she was, I really, I don't know. I can't really say much. I mean, I can say a lot about her. <laughs> She's honestly been amazing, like, literally from day one, like, I guess my injury was pretty big, so it took a big impact on her, obviously more so on herself, on her than me, like, oh, she's probably more traumatized than I am, um, but yeah, from day one, like, she's just obviously being a nurse is, is, is a massive thing as well, which really helped me and just reassured me on everything, and I mean, yeah, I just felt comfortable having her around and doing everything for me. And, um, yeah, I think she did such a good job because, like, I mean, she was jumping from Airbnbs to hotels to Airbnbs for a night here and hotels for, you know, two nights there. So um, that, I mean, we didn't have a car or anything, so that definitely took its toll on her and just, like, yeah, having to come in the hospital every day and, you know, sit beside me and, you know, clean me and do everything like that, which things that I couldn't do, dress me. And, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she really, I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't thank her enough for, for what she, what she done. You get to pay her back, cook some dinner and stuff like that for her. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, the hospital food there was like, it was good, but I just, you know, obviously (laughs) eating good food definitely can help the body and and healing. And so I was like, right, you know, I want to eat healthy and eat good food and that sort of thing. So she was cooking me meals in the morning and uh, 
bringing them in and you know we'll just heat them up at, at dinner time and have them so like yeah she was literally full-time full-time uh nurse for me like i mean she, <laughs> she could work in all sort of different areas in the hospital after the two weeks that we spent together um in canada so yeah she's definitely played a big part on um on yeah my whole journey and um you know just just being by my side 24 7 like you know like i kind of got so used to having <clears throat> having someone right next to me it kind of feels weird when i go out and do something on my own like you know every every single day you know when when i was in christchurch and rehab she was there watching me video me you know so i could look back and be like wow that's pretty cool what i'm doing and you know being able to share it with with everyone on the internet and that sort of thing so I, I think it gave all of us watching like such it felt like we were we were there she kind of put us in the in the moment with you which yeah. was really cool to see yeah yeah so i mean she's definitely made a big impact on my life and made yeah made the whole journey that much more easier um so yeah i mean i can't uh i can't thank her enough <laughs> for what she's done done for me i mean she probably uh she probably doesn't really want me to go back racing my bike, but uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, this is my life and this is all I've, all I've known. And I, you know, I want to come back and, and, you know, prove that an injury so big of what I had can, you know, you can still come back and, and ride a bike at, at a high level. Man, that is so inspiring. I swear. <laughs> yeah i mean like it's been cool because just i feel like i've inspired so many people and it's just been so cool to hear you know everyone everyone that messaged me on instagram and says man you're so inspiring or sharing their story of of their accident you know a lot of people share their their stories with me from their spinal cord injuries and being like man you've been an inspiration to me of you know just showing me you know, not, you know, not having to give up and, you know, things are, are actually possible to be able to, you know, live a normal life again. So all that stuff is, yeah, man, it's, it's so cool. And just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just think it's so cool to hear from so many different people around the world, like not even mountain bike people just reaching out to me and saying how cool it is to see, um, all your progress and how fast you progress and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. That's I'm, I can't wait to see you back out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to racing, uh, racing a world cup again. Yeah, totally. And I, I honestly feel like well, there's no, Oh, I don't feel like I'm going to, I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to, come back and you know maybe do some things differently but i'm still going to be able to ride my bike fast and i feel like i'm still going to be able to um potentially get on that podium again have you have you like since you've been riding how's it been mentally like are you have you had any extra doubts or hesitations no, or anything not at all like honestly bro like the first time i went out riding i was like i just I know. Obviously, I was weak. I I didn't have any strength, and just things were difficult. But um, like you know, when I went down, when I first went down the descent, I was like, man, this feels so good. Like just to, <laughs> so happy to be able to, you know, just to be able, just to be able to reassure myself that I can actually ride a bike again. Like there was no doubt of of like, oh man, what if I go around this corner? Am I going to crash and land on my back or that sort of thing? I kind of like, I just thought of, it, thought of it as like, I mean, like obviously your back is so important, but it just, I just felt different because your back's at, at the back of your body. Like it's not a wrist, it's not a shoulder, you know, like those sort of things hinder you when you come back to riding, you're like, ah, oh, you know, what if I hit this G out of my wrist? blows out again or 
you know, I'm not too sure if I go around this corner and slide out and put my shoulder out, it's going to tear, you know, those sort of things. Like I just felt it was totally different to, you know, other injuries that I've had before. And, um, yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't lose any confidence. Like I was actually pretty blown away with how fast I was going. Like <laughs> first couple of rides, I was like, I'll probably, I probably should, shouldn't go this fast, but like, you know, I just, had to had to have that feeling again. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, I've got a few questions unrelated to bikes. Um, since we're spending so much time inside, what are you watching on Netflix at the moment? What am I watching on Netflix? I haven't been watching too much, but I just finished. Um, I just finished a series of uh, Tiger King with Joey Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, oh, pretty much everyone in the world probably watched that. Um, so yeah, I just finished watching that and I've, uh, just started, well, just started season three of Ozarks. Uh, sweet. I know I was actually looking up, I, uh, was born in Oklahoma and like lived there for a little bit and yeah. I looked up and they're what, maybe half an hour away from where I grew up. I no way. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those people were crazy, man. Like, have you watched it? <laughs> I've watched a couple of them. My girlfriend like watched the end of it. I see. I think she was at the front of the of the like craze because she watched it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, and yeah. uh, and man, like they're they're just wild. They are, right? They're crazy. Like they're batshit crazy. Those those guys. <laughs> oh my like, god! I've seen, I've seen some articles of like Kanye West and Kim Kardashian trying to um, bail. Joe Exotic out of jail. No, no way. And like, like GoFundMe pages started up to bail him out. Yeah. Oh my God. That yeah. is too much. I mean, it, yeah, that, that, that whole like, that just that industry was just crazy. Like that full, full blown redneck say. Yeah. 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 Like the epitome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And to think he, I, to the, when he was like, yeah, I'm, this is my husband, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I didn't really figure, <laughs> figure out that he was gay. And then I kind of like, when he said, yeah, this is my husband, I was like, oh, yeah, it kind of does make sense. I know. I saw some pictures that he had taken, like, they just like, uh, I, I feel like it could go on. I guess yeah. that's why it's so popular because everyone feels the same. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's, I think it's ranked one or two viewed um series in new zealand at the moment i was i was on there the other day and it's like in the top 10 and i think it was two or three um most viewed <laughs> oh god <laughs> so do you have any songs on repeat songs on repeat mm-hmm. um oh, i'm not like a massive i mean i like music but like i wouldn't just go and put some music on, you know, like I've, I'd use it if I'm sitting on the turbo trainer or, or doing a workout, but um, yeah, I don't really have anything on. I mean, probably, yeah, if I'm sitting in the car, I'd have on the repeat, probably Ma- um, Wax Mustang, which is a Kiwi uh, rapper. Um, oh, he's just new on the scene. He's pretty good. He's pretty, uh, pretty good. I feel like it, he'd be someone that you'd p- potentially like, Elliot. He's. Uh, I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check him out. Yeah, yeah, search him up. He's pretty good. Oh, He's that's pretty awesome. Good. Do you have like a, a favorite at home workout right now? Um, I've literally just like this this week Monday. I just started like just doing some body weight stuff. So, um, Lucy's sister and I we're just done just doing these like three pods and it's like 30 seconds on 10 seconds off. So I've just been doing like squats, lunges, uh, bicep curls, bunch of, um, a bunch of core. Um, yeah, I mean nothing too much, but, um, yeah, I was thinking about maybe going doing an um, Instagram live, um, what, uh, like a workout. So, Oh yeah, I know. I saw Loic was doing the yeah doing the 
spin class is cracking yeah, up. Yeah, they're pretty funny, eh? So I was thinking about maybe like just doing something like that so people can see what, what I'm up to and um, that. But yeah, I mean, like I'm not doing too much, just more focused on body weight stuff and um, yeah, just easing back into it with my back. Yeah, right on. Okay, well, um, the last thing I have for you is a couple of listener questions. Um, okay, let's see. So, Dimitri SP11 says, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? One horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized... Duck-sized horses. <laughs> Probably one, one duck-sized horse. Yeah, but ducks are wild. Yeah, I know, but I feel like <laughs> a, horse, a horse can kill you. <laughs> I reckon a duck can kill you. I reckon I get on, I reckon I get on its neck and strangle it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> Locks Mitch says, uh, "What percent sag do you run?" What percent sag? Oh shit! I've been out of the game for. You're supposed to have this on the top of your head. I know. I can't remember that. <laughs> to be honest, last <laughs> thing on my mind. <laughs> okay. I yeah, I can't. I can't answer that. Sorry. <laughs> you have to look in your little black book. <laughs> um. Okay. And let's see. The Colas Smith uh, says, "What rugby position body type suits mountain biking the best? Do you think?" Uh, probably first five eight. Is that what it, what kind of body type is that? Uh, probably my my build. It's <laughs> <laughs> a position I used to play. Right. I guess in mountain biking, you know, there's so many different types of people. Yeah. Like I feel like Amari is like he'd be like a winger. He'd be quite fast. He's built like a brick shit house, so he'd, you know he'd just be like a steamroller. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whereas like Troy. Troy would be like a number nine, so he'd be like, he'd be the important player. Like, yeah, I feel like Troy would be like the important player. Like, he is on his bike. Like, he's the important rider. Huh? He's so consistent. Right. I feel like a number nine really suits him. Whereas, like Greg Minar would be like a a blindside flanker, be in the front row. Like, you know how they lift them up and they catch the ball. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet yeah i guess like i guess there's i mean yeah like there's so many different builds of a mountain biker isn't there right yeah it's it is it's so true yeah um okay i've got two more for you uh the the charlie show says how do you turn off the fear i feel like this one's uh i'm interested in this one for you how do i turn off the fear i guess you just shut everything off shut the brain off um yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I guess, I guess you work like over over time. You just the fear just disappears. I guess. Say, eh? do you feel like that, Elliot? Mm. Yeah, I feel like the more prepared I am, the better. The the less I'm thinking about like what could go wrong. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, exactly. I guess like yeah, I guess with. I guess with any type of job, like the more you do it, the less you think about it and the less fear you have, the more confidence you have, all that sort of stuff uh, really, yeah, plays a big part in it, eh? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and the last one, I remember a couple of years ago, I don't know if it was, yeah, it must have been a couple of years ago, you you were on the, the ballot for writer's representative. Yeah. Um, Callum Cameron says thoughts on riders association, like others professional sports have to represent like rider concerns, such as the UCI rule changes. How do you feel about that in, uh, in downhill? Um, I mean, well, like after my accident, I really, I definitely voiced my opinion of, of how I felt and like how, how I guess, I don't know, I don't want to say disorganized the UCI were, but like just how underprepared they were for an accident like that. Like I feel like it was, yeah, 
everything was definitely underprepared and yeah, like I said, they weren't really ex well, not expecting, but really prepared for something like that. I guess um, they kind of just until it happens, it happens, and yeah, like it was just something that yeah was not really well handled. Um, yeah, I guess like I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> did they tell you they were gonna make some changes? I mean. I hope so. Like I, I, I definitely, I've spoken to um, Simon Burney from the UCI and like we had a really good chat and he explained um, some things about the situation and um, also I voiced my opinion on what I thought and I was like, you know, I'm not going to do anything about this because I feel like if I did, there would, it would just be, you know, it would just go on and on. And I was like, you know, look, this is the last thing that I want to be thinking about, but the biggest thing that I want to see is like, you know, each, each world cup that we go to before we go to practice, we, before we have practice, like maybe after a track walk, we all sit down and they go over the medical procedure of what they have in place. If there was to be an accident similar to mine or, you know, uh, um, you know, someone being taken off the hill just because I mean, like before that, I didn't even think about that stuff, you know, like, okay, there's a helicopter sitting in the paddock there, you know, if you get hurt, that's going to come up and take you out. So I was, yeah, I mean, after my accident and after what I went through, I was like, you know, this is such a big, you know, I, I feel like people need to know what, is is going to be in place because I'd hate to I'd hate for anyone to go through what I went through and like you know that can definitely put doubt in people's minds of of you know riding their bike for the weekend it's just like you, that's the last thing that you want to that you want to know and I feel like if we have some you know someone that tells us okay look this is the medical procedure for this weekend we have four doctors that are going to be on the hill um, a helicopter on standby that can be um, at you within, you know, half an hour. Um, I just feel like that will reassure everyone. And, you know, then that takes a big part of, um, the mental focus off of, off of that, because I really feel like my accident, um, has definitely like really reality checked some people, um, into like, you know, man, what if that happened to me? Like, you know, I don't right. know for success, five hours on the hill waiting for a helicopter. So like, I feel like that definitely can play in, in a big part in your, in your head. So I just, yeah, I mean, that's like the biggest thing that I really want, want to happen. And just, you know, so everyone's aware of what is in place. So they are comfortable if they did have an accident that they know, okay, the helicopter's there. It's going to be at me within a certain time. There's, a doctor there with um, pain relief, pain medication, just all that sort of stuff. So people are reassured and they can go ride their bike and not have to worry about that. Um, and also I think like, I really think that um, we should have someone that uh, goes over the track, you know, in between um, A and B practice, just, you know, just to, just to go over and look at it and say, okay, this is, I don't think this is safe. Um, we should maybe take out this um, because I mean, man, the level we race at, we put our life on the on the line, and it's not like we're going slow and we don't, you know, it's not like we're giving ninety five percent effort. Um, so, like the risk versus reward is is quite high, and um, I feel like yeah, just you know, just having something like that in place would be really good because I feel like you know. Um, for example, where I crashed, there was seven other people that crashed and you imagine the seven other people that could have ended up like me, you know, I was, I was the one that was, that come off worse, but you know, Reese Wilson went over the handlebars and knocked himself out and put a big cut in his leg. And I know there was a few other people that had big crashes there. So I just feel like that needs to sort of be stepped up and, you know, someone, it, it, I mean, it's not that hard to ride down a 
down the track and be like, oh shit, I feel like this is a little bit unsafe. So we're going to take this route out or we'll move that rock. Um, you know, right. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not, not about making it easier for us, but it's just making it that little bit safer because at, you know, we're going fast when it comes to finals. So it's just like, you know, you want to ride a track that is, is technical and hard, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's safe also. Yeah, it's so true. There's a big difference between a track being difficult and a track being dangerous. Yeah. 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 Big time, bro. Yeah. But okay. Well, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, uh, all I've got for you, Brooke. I'm so happy to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you too, bro. And thank you very much for having me. I'm on two uh, percent, so we better yeah. <laughs> better end this before, uh, before we uh, run out. And I, you, hope, yeah, don't, I don't want you to lose everything. So, yeah, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, for, thanks for the chat, bro. And um, I hope uh, I hope to see you sometime soon. And uh, yeah, be safe in the in this uh, COVID nineteen. <laughs> oh good yeah i appreciate it thanks so much i'll talk to you soon cool bro see you later oh my god i am just loving doing these podcasts uh learning all of these interesting things about my friends I always think it's really interesting that it's rare to find someone who's world-class at only one thing in their life. So with Brooke, you know, he could have gone to be a professional rugby player. And uh, I love hearing about those stories, about the, the path not taken. And I think the other thing that's just so wild to me, we talked about the mental toughness at the top of the show. And for Brooke to be like, oh my God, I never thought about not riding a bike. That is just so wild to me i feel like i would have been in the hospital being like yeah i think uh i think that's enough (laughs) so next week we have another guest who is really cool super stylish and her first name ends with the same letter that my first name starts with so there's your hint (laughs) reggie radio is produced by brianna mcshane and we will see you next week 